0: Okay, uh, so, um, welcome everyone to GM 701. And this is a good game from a player's perspective. So I am super hyped about this session because I think all of our previous seminars have really been kind of plumbing the depths of, uh, GMing and dungeon mastering in in that perspective. And I think it's about time that we turn the tables over to players to kind of, uh, you know, give us a taste of uh, our own medicine, um, make us, uh, kind of hear some of the things that, uh, you know, make, uh, make a good game from a player's perspective. So that's what today is about. Okay. So I just want to make sure everyone is kind of settling in and, uh, hope you guys have got, uh, you know, some drinks or snacks, maybe some, um, brewed kombucha or, you know, mead as, as it were, or just whatever kind of suits your fancy. But uh, let me get started. So uh, just quick introduction. Um, my name is Alpha and I'm your moderator for tonight. I actually am subbing in for Josh, but Josh had to kind of uh, attend uh, something just at the last minute. So I just kind of stepped in for him and... Um, yeah. And then so just a couple of housekeeping items that we're just going to go on. Uh, so if we could have everyone but the panelists go on mute just to make sure that uh, we've got kind of clear sound and it seems to be that way on Discord so I can see that. If you have questions that you want to raise to the panelists, please put those questions and post them on the GM701 channel. And then you can vote up those questions with a thumbs up, right? So the more votes you get, the more likely we're uh, we're likely to, you know, ask the question to our panelists. Um, if you do want to kind of continue chatting or, you know, you want to send a meme or something like that, please do not post that in the GM701 channel. Please put that in the seminar chat. So you are... Um, certainly welcome to chat to your heart's content as long as it's within the seminar chat all the questions should be limited to the uh, the questions one okay and uh, also wanted people to be aware that we are recording for the podcast uh, which will release probably in a couple days after this is done and of course speaking of podcasts we now have three podcasts at uh, kw uh, gamers um, one, of course, is the GM seminar, which uh, we, we try to record these sessions just so people can kind of catch up. We, of course, got the Golden and Glory D&D live stream and Amber uh, Diceless, which was inspired by the last seminar, which was GM 601. And if you want to check those out, uh, you can go to the announcements page. They've got the, the links and the details. OK, so with that, we're going to go right into our session. So. For our esteemed panelists, first, I want to welcome you and and really give you a big thank you for kind of coming out and representing the player perspective. I think it's going to be really neat on that that perspective because we usually, you know, go just all the GMs, and so it's going to be really fantastic to have your perspectives on this. We really welcome that. Okay, so um, by way of, I guess, introductions, if you can give a a quick introduction for yourself, um, you know, give us your name, maybe tell us a little bit about what kind of RP you typically play and uh, actually uh, with that answer the question what from your perspective makes a good game so why don't i start with alex
1: all right so i guess introduction i'm alex and i basically well i guess for my gaming history i started quite a lot with um, early renditions of video game D kind of stuff that was my Main hook into things, and then moving offline to uh, d and Pathfinder, and then I think it's Burning Wheel and Apocalypse, Blades uh, in the Dark Systems. Those are the systems that sort of come to mind, and uh, all other kinds of uh, stuff after that. But uh, yeah, um,
0: that's kind of where I'm coming from. And what, uh, from your perspective, Alex, makes a good game?
1: Uh, for, for me, um, I think my tastes have changed a little bit because I still do a lot uh, um, I really like go for the narrative games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I really enjoy. And so when the narrative is just like really great and it's great story sort of being evolved or being told, uh, that's what really is my hook.
0: Okay, so stories is really important to you in that kind of narrative hook. That's great. Okay, and let's go to um, our next panelist, MP. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, the games you play, and uh, what makes a good game for you?
2: Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Marie Pascal, also known as MP. And I guess I started playing uh, role-playing games when I was in high school as a teenager, and the only game back then was d and I don't remember which version in the 90s. And then I played other games in my 20s in Montreal with some French people, which had a totally different other style, like indie games or French games, uh, like this indie game called Slay Industries and French game called Innominé, which was like a battle between angels and demons.
0: I know and that you don't know one.
2: Who is a good guy, who is a bad guy, who is really good. Um, and then I moved to Waterloo and I tried to get into role-playing again. And it was all D&D 3.5. <laughs> and I kind of gave up on that, on these long, drawn-out dungeon crawling and combat lasting five hours. I kind of gave up on that until last year when I joined the meetup. And then I was thrilled to, that we had all styles and all kinds of players. Um, and I guess what makes a good game for me, I'm with Alex in terms of the narrative game. But also like games that are more collaboration, interacting with the players, um, you know, banter, and not necessarily just killing the orcs. Right. Killing, killing fifteen goblins. Yep. And like power gaming, where you're like spending so much time figuring out what's the most damaging action that you can make, mm-hmm. and stacking this on that. And, mm-hmm backing all, all these things. I'm not really interested in winning or killing stuff, Like I don't know why I would spend all that time doing that.
0: No, and, and I yeah. think you, you speak a couple points to, you know, the, you know, collaborative, right? And, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, all role-playing games are, have a social component to it. And of course, that, you know, they have different kind of spectrums as to, you know, how combat or rules-focused things are. But it sounds like, you know, you lean more towards the collaboration and the storytelling. So, no, that's great. And last but not least, Steven, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, your, your game experience and, uh, what makes a good game from your perspective.
3: Thank you, Alpha. I'm uh, Steven, as you said already. I'll repeat my name. Um, I started playing way back in time. Um, There was this new game out in, it was the late 70s. Wait, am I revealing my age? Um, So Redbox Basic Dungeons and Dragons is where it all started with my first character, Clark. Um, And that sort of became, um, I found it quite fascinating to do storytelling. I've always been interested in sort of the aspect of game where you create this shared narrative, this shared environment, this shared world. And it's a lot like performing. It's a lot like stage. I find theater really fascinating. So a lot of the games along the way, that's been all sorts of Dungeons and Dragons, all the various iterations of it. Um, Second edition was really big. Um, Role master, um, middle earth role playing, uh, a lot of the different apocalypse worlds, um, labyrinth lord white box cave master i mean there's just a whole gamut of different gaming and all of it always comes back to sort of what what what's fun about it right why why do this and it's looking for that ability to socialize that serve that chance to um in in the game itself a chance to shine um um the other thing that's of real interest to me in terms of gaming, it, it's not, it, and Marie Pascal touched on this, and sort of, it's not about slaying the monsters. I, I think it's solving the puzzle for me. Mm. Uh, quite often the of master is giving you a challenge, right? What's the mystery? How do you solve this? And, and quite often it's, you know, find the dingus, right? Some object that's mysteriously buried somewhere and people are forgotten and it's going to save the world. But there's still a puzzle there, and, and so that's um, the enjoyment of the game for me.
0: Nice. No, that, that's great. And it's, it's a, it's, uh, really quite inspiring to kind of hear the breadth of your experience and, you know, how over time, uh, you know, you've, you've managed to, you know, play and experience many different kind of systems. And ultimately this is the kind of stuff that sticks for you. So, um, sorry, just as a quick note, um, just if you, um, are, uh, you know, wanting to kind of chat, um, and you don't have a specific question, if you can please post that in the seminar chat channel, That way it's over there. Um, Just limit your questions, please, to this channel here, the GM701. um, And we'll just kind of go with that. Okay, so I'm going to start off with uh, Katie's questions. And I think maybe it's a bit more of a comment or request, but she's saying that uh, she'd love to hear more stories about those amazing small things that a GM does that just makes a game sparkle for you. Or it doesn't have to be the GM, it's maybe what other players do. Uh, So maybe let's start where we we left off. Stephen, what's your perspective on this?
3: Um, what's of interest to me are people, and, and the word we used already, I'm going to use it, it's a collaboration, right? It's where players reach out and they include you in what they're trying to achieve um, or um, try to bounce ideas off you. So it's that sparkle. It's that connection of, of it's why we play in real time. Sure, it works online, but part of it is the gaming environment is that social aspect. And so to interact with the players, that's a lot of fun. Um, from the GM perspective, what I enjoy from a GM is um, the ability to just go with the flow. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, and it, it's been touched on in a couple of GM seminars as well. right? Because players never do what the GM quite anticipates. And it is free form. And it's, it's so much more satisfying in terms of gameplay when it seems like the players are driving the story, it may be the GM has just shifted that scenario and said, "Oh, it's going to happen over here now." But it doesn't feel like you're railroaded. It feels like it's it's um, organic, and so that's the part that's really enjoyable.
0: Right. So you have to have that kind of natural feel that you you and the other players are having that direct input into the storyline, and it's not just oh, listening to the GM kind of you know go on about his or her world. Yeah. Yes.
3: Oh, I don't want to hear the GM tell me what the history is of the world. It's it's like reading a book, and in the book, the author has decided to tell you how clever they are. Yeah. They are. I don't want to know that. <laughs> I want to know what's happening now. Right. Along the way to the
0: backstory. Absolutely, right, yeah. no. That's 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 uh, that's telling. Um, so again, reverse order, Marie Pascal. I'm going to ask you that that same question. So, uh, you know, are there particular things that you enjoy that make the game sparkle? Either from your interactions with fellow players, or um, you know, some, especially what you've experienced from a GM perspective.
2: Well, I think that for me, what makes the the game sparkle is when everyone is really into their character and into the story and. Like everyone is contributing to move the story forward, especially when their characters have things that are at stakes, personally from the, the uh, point of view. Like it almost becomes like um, you're living out something personal, and you're like you're not just there to go and kill the problems and and pick up loot. You know, like you're you're living out a story. Um, Things that GMs have done for me in the past when I was in that indie game slate industry, the GM kind of involved my character that there was a, a whole prophecy that my character was in the middle of that time. So it was like came my like pers- personal fakes of why you're you're coming there and want to come next week to play again to find out what happened, right?
0: Right. And, uh, it's sort of that uh, you know what what's in store for you, and if there's a prophecy, then presumably it's something that you know that that's very important to you and your character's development. So that's all part of the excitement, right?
2: And I've had other GMs do things like having your relatives, your characters, like your aunt turns up and tries to do matchmaking, <laughs> <or> romantic <laughs> entanglements. Uh, I've had Call of Two game recently, and my character the head of a uh, Person, like now it's personal. Suddenly, so your mission has become much more personal. That
0: kind of thing. Right. That was pretty hilarious. That's awesome. And uh, last but not least, Alex. What, from your perspective, what are the things that other players do or your interactions with player that makes it, things uh, sparkle? And uh, how about from the GM perspective?
1: So I think mine is also very similar, um, but I feel like there's what, what makes it a nice a great session or something like that stand out is when there's like a get that little spark of an idea that happens so as soon as you get that little spark of an idea and then it's like oh something said and then you sort of and then when the uh, it's a great session when the players and uh, everyone sort of can identify that and It's so easy for someone to just, like, brush by it or a a more heavy-handed GM to just, like, snuff out what could be a great idea. And the great sessions are where there's, like, oh, there's a spark, and then you build it, and you fan those flames, and then, like, it starts, you know, like, a backstory starts getting into the party, and then all of a sudden it's taking on a life of its own, and the GM might be getting in on it and going, yeah, and identifying, like oh, you remember this? And I'm like, bringing it back and like helping everything grow and then the players are sort of getting in on it. And it's, it's just having that sort of, that scenario can just give those uh, nice memorable times.
0: Nice. And I think what I'm probably going to do at by the end of this call, I'm definitely going to ask for some specific examples from you guys. So sort of your best stories of when those moments have kind of happened. So yeah, don't worry about that right now, but just let it kind of percolate in the back of your heads to just kind of see if you can remember those things. Okay. So I'm going to go with a question. And I think this is kind of directed, uh, definitely at GMs and, and from GMs from a learning perspective. So, uh, let's go with MP. So what's What's the most frustrating thing a GM can do in terms of bad GM habits?
2: Oh, uh, that's a tough question. I don't really know. I've hadn't experienced that kind of frustrating thing that you mentioned that you talk about. Mm-hmm. I've to think about it. Okay.
0: Anybody else want to take that mantle up that challenge? Steven, you've played a lot of different games. I imagine you've come across a whole variety of different game masters and, and habits and styles.
3: Oh yes. Um, oh, so, so what for me, and and this is going to vary by players, right? Because some players are really looking for that um, constructed world that they're just going to slip into and they don't have to think. That's not what I'm there for. So I, what really bugs me is when the constructed world takes over the game. And so by that I mean the GM has plotted out, this is my story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not a movie script. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm not playing the leading role or supporting role here. I'm playing my character. My character reacts in real time. And so that's what I'm looking for um, from the GM is that flexibility. I mean, I'm repeating myself in some ways because I've already touched on that. Um, But the other aspect that I'm really annoyed by from a GM is that lack of commitment. So if you're in an ongoing campaign, is that lack of commitment to actually doing their homework. It's a lot of work, right? A GM's got a lot of demands. I've been a GM, so I can speak of that part of as well. But there's a lot of prep work. And when you show up at a game, you really want to be able to get into that game and start enjoying that game and not... uh, I mean, part of it is the socializing. Part of it is just having that cup of coffee beforehand. Mm -hmm. But it's that when it happens from session to session, that's when I go, you know what? I'm going to go find a different game. Right. And so that... Becomes part of part of sort of what um, ruins a game, and typically those GMs are really frustrated because they're like, "Why can't I keep the player? You got to do the work."
0: Yeah, no, I, I think those are words of wisdom. And I think it's interesting, right? So I think a lot of us, you know, get into RPGs and playing those games, because there is a social connection, there is, uh, you know, kind of get together, and you can, you know, shoot the breeze, or, you know, you have some jokes, but at the end of the day, you also want to be part of that adventure, you want to be part of that, you know, collaborative story. So absolutely. Absolutely. Alex, what about your perspective? What's uh, the most frustrating thing a GM uh, can do, or maybe has done to you, in terms of uh, some bad habits?
1: Um, I I think
0: uh,
1: one thing that sort of—it's not necessarily what happens in the in like in the session, but uh, it can just be um, just like like the commitment and the scheduling, but also um, I guess. Uh, far, similar to what Stephen said, but it's almost like not just not quite railroading, but overly, it could also be overly crafting their own um, version of events, and then to the point where you won't have the freedom to sort of explore that and you won't be able to bring the character. It's like that, as Stephen was saying, that movie script. But basically, a couple things would be the turnoffs would be too much of a railroading, um, anything that's where players might feel uncomfortable, or if, if any player might be left out or skipped over, mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. come across that lately. But I have like vague memories of that way in the past.
0: Yeah, boy, we've got a lot of rain coming down. At least from Maya, I can I can hear this out there get rid of that on the recording. No, th- those are some great examples and and I think it's interesting, you know, we hear this term railroading come up a lot. So those of you who may not be familiar with that term, it's kind of the idea that, you know, the the rail the the train is on the tracks and the tracks really only go from point a to point b right there's no variability there's no real choice and the whole point of being able to explore independently as a player inside of the gm sandbox is to have that freedom to have agency to have choice and you know have consequences kind of show up as you kind of go from uh, moment to moment for sure Okay, Uh, got a great question here. Um, I love this one. Um, And let's go to hmm, MP. Do you enjoy being part of the world building in your games, or would you rather live in a world that you don't or can't have any control over?
2: I think I would love to be involved in building. I haven't experienced that a lot. Okay. Okay i uh, usually played like a plot that was already constructed. Okay. Um,
0: How about yeah, as cool. your character kind of progresses, right? Because, and, and I'll use an example, right? So maybe your character, uh, you know, they're part of an organization um, or they, you know, I don't know, have a commitment to a certain... I don't know, path or something like that. And then you have the opportunity to, you know, add to that by your character's interactions. And therefore you're actually helping the GM build out some of the backstory and some of the details in his or her world. Has that ever been something you've experienced?
2: Yeah, that, that has been one of the most uh, worthwhile experiences of being a player that you get to build your, your character story and then it ties into, the larger plot, right? And then you can impact the world and Mm -hmm. impact the plot in that way. Mm -hmm. That's going to be great.
0: Well, that's cool. Um, Steven, what about you? Um, I
3: certainly like to be involved when it's available. Um, I don't mind playing in a world that's been um, shaped as long as um, what the characters are doing or what the point of the adventure is. It has influence on the world. So the world may have been created up to a certain point, right. but it's got to be good and, and sort of have that um, aspect of to be able to change it. Um, and that's quite often what the campaign's about anyways, right? It's, uh, you know, there's a great evil in the world, quite often is the main plot, and then the characters are going to change that. So uh, that's what I'm looking for. Um, certainly the ability to have some influence on the backstory of the character, if that's mm-hmm. important. But um, quite often I just enjoy not having that backstory. And uh, making it up as it goes along, right? You discover things, your connections, how you connect to the other players at the table. So it's that the the smaller world building is of great interest to me. The bigger sort of what what is the framework? Oh, go ahead, build that.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, to a certain degree, you're in it as a player, not to build the, the big storyline, but to, you know, run the day to day and have your character interact within that. So that makes a lot of sense. Alex, do you have any differing perspectives? Something that, you know, may, maybe, you know, uh, that I, I don't know. I guess in your experience, do you have any, uh, examples of games where you, you know, didn't have a lot of control that you enjoyed or, you know, what, what, what's been your experience in this area?
1: Um, I think a lot of my experience would come from like I have done a lot of um, video games. I mean, I literally did tons of video games and like video game research and stuff like that. And now, but and I've found that either sort of gone on. What I like is if I want a completely constructed narrative story told by someone, I'll probably just do that like buy the game off the shelf and play it. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. What I would like to seek out is the experiences of that you know be more engaged in that narrative being engaged in that building and it's something i don't It can't just get it in a box that's something that it's growing with playing with people and that's what i find has for me has the most value as a player
0: awesome that's great okay um so i really love this question this is coming from josh and let's put that over to steven and I definitely want you guys to think of kind of your best example here, because, and and so the question is: Have you ever had an experience where a GM creates a game or a moment that you had an emotional response to? Right. So either you're screaming or you're crying over a death or you're laughing out loud. Like, uh, tell us one of one of the stories that really impacted you, and and you know, from your perspective, what was your experience?
3: Um, I can't really say that I've had that intense of an emotional experience. certainly lots of laughter um but it's as much from the players as it is from the gm mm-hmm. um i just nothing's coming to mind as a really specific sort of oh geez this was a really key moment mm-hmm. um i i mean the one thing was the gm that really annoyed me and i got angry and i left.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well and, and that's that's i guess that's not exactly what we were looking for you know but you know that's the opposite end of the spectrum right and you know, for sure and that could happen
1: yeah
3: well, that's a reaction to just sort of the, the, the moment, right? Yeah. Um, oh, what, what's the storyline that sort of really grabbed you? Um, I, there was one apocalypse world game I played in and, um, it, it caused this sort of, uh, visceral, um, reaction to the horror of the moment that oh, was being described. Yeah. And so it was a, um, series of poor choices on the part of the players <laughs> and um, basically, um, we, we destroyed the world, and so the GM did a really effective job of bringing that conclusion and they had already thought about this they had thought what if what if it goes this way and so they had just an excellent wrap up and that was really satisfying, even though we all died world <laughs> <laughs> so that's not
0: that's not world building that's world destroying on a collaborative oh, yeah, basis yeah, yeah. nice. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Um, so, so that was one example of something that that created this great emotional impact. And it wasn't a positive impact,
0: but. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It,
3: Made it satisfying, which is really great.
0: So I'm really curious in this example, right? So you guys chose, meaning your party, right? The players chose a path that ultimately led to the destruction of the world and the and the death of the players. Did any of the players during that process, you know, add even more and just pile it on? So you know, what started out to be something that you know clearly was was not good in terms of you know where it was going and it just got worse i'm just curious if you had that sort of escalation because i've seen that happen in a couple of cases we
3: try to no it was actually kind of fun we actually tried to um save um, so there was an opportunity to save um, and and create this portal that would save a certain segment and uh-huh. okay and so that was the fun right we tried to find sort of a, a positive outcome didn't happen um so but that's Apocalypse World really works well for that, for that narrative where you're telling that shared story and we made poor decisions, the dice didn't cooperate and you just roll with yeah. it. So.
0: And and I swear to God, guys, we are not sponsored by Apocalypse World. I know it seems like, you know, we're plugging it every chance we can get. <laughs> um alex how about you do you have one of those moments uh you know where i don't know you got to chill up your spine or you know you had something that just went so right or so wrong that it just elicited that emotional response
1: i'm trying to think of it i'm not sure if anything like got horror um lots of emotional like laugh like laughter like shock or stuff like that. shock yeah like like the like the most recent, uh, I like did something with uh, the this, this Sunday in the Call of Cthulhu campaign that MPs with, where, um, like, oh my god, this just happened, and like, <laughs> clapping, like, I was just clapping, like, oh my god.
0: Right, am that's party amazing. Just do?
1: As an outsider, because I was like, outside the party, like, what just happened in there? <laughs>
0: oh out, man were, 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 were
1: you were you um I oh, literally, so you literally selected a side quest I' be going to a different oh. little area and then basically it looked like they were like oh this might be more we will have some more of the party this direction and then it was like oh they have summoned. A dark god.
0: <laughs> so, Marie-Pascal, it sounds like you were very much part of the experience that Alex was on the outside of. So tell us how kind of... How did it
1: feel on the inside?
0: Yeah, how did it feel on the inside? Like, what happened there?
2: Well, uh, so the question is about what experiences... What what are examples of emotional experiences you've had with gaming? I'm going to compare... For me, the two campaigns, me and me, that are... That created the most response for me was the Slay Industries that I played like almost 15 years ago. And now it's called Cthulhu right now that I have the privilege of being with Josh as a GM and Alex. And I think it's those games that are grim and dark and very dangerous, as in that you can die and combat is very visceral because there's consequence. And you're at the edge of your seat and, you know, anything can happen. Um, so, yeah, Call of Cthulhu is like that for me right now. And, uh, yeah, we did summon a god kind of by accident. And <laughs> ended up being high consequence. <laughs> Very high consequence. And, yeah, I died.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, but, so on yeah. that... No, right. I mean, and I think I'm just going to use this one as a bit of a segue. Um, have you guys, exp- like, I mean, what have been your experiences and reactions to your characters dying? Assuming that you've been in that situation, like, did you have a, a strong emotional attachment, things like that? Or, you know, how, how, you know, the the first character death that you kind of went through, like, how did you react?
2: Um, so I think that uh, I'm going to talk about Josh again. Josh has been doing a good job in preparing this.
0: I think Josh just kills everybody, right? <laughs> I mean, this seems to be the theme.
2: So also knowing the kind of campaign that I am in, so I, I prepared, right? Uh, but I do tend to get attached to my characters. Yeah. And I'm not very good at playing a character that's different from myself. I'm always playing a version of myself. Okay. I don't know why. I just can't relate to some, someone that's completely different. Right. So I, I, I'm kind of personalizing things, but uh-huh. at the same time, I'm trying to be detached. And it's the game, right? What's important is the relationship between players, that you're a good player, you're a good partner in the game. That's what's important, right?
0: Awesome. Alex or Steven, any uh, thoughts with regards to your experiences with character death, like something that might have uh, impacted you on a personal level?
3: Um, on a personal level, um, so you get attached to your characters and so games where characters die, you tend not to have the time to get attached. So Call of Cthulhu is one of those games where you don't really get attached. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I had one character though that actually survived through a, a number of scenarios and craziness and calling of the dark ones. And, um, he was succeeding. And then I just made this – I wasn't paying attention, and I I just made this stupid decision within the game. And that's the fun of the game, right? You sort of go, well, I'm going to go do this. And um, my character died. And it just was such a downer because hmm. he had succeeded in all these other sort of scenarios. Right. He dies by falling off a roof.
0: Oh, so it was just like unlucky, <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. I'm lucky,
3: right? And it was just sort of this – because your skills are, are very um, limited within Call of Duty. Sure, He's sure. But it was it was kind of like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I, I I like this character. <laughs> yeah. and, oh. On the other hand, there's I've had characters where it's like, I really hate this character. I just want this character to die. Mm. And sort of there's a satisfaction when you find this uh, sort of satisfactory death for this character. So I had this one character. I don't play mages. I don't like mages. And so I ended up in this game, random character. I had this mage and um, he just would not die. And finally, (laughs) I I was able to use his powers. And the GM says, well, there'll be a backlash in order to close this portal where the demons are pouring in. And I said, I'm going to go for it. And so I did, and the character died, but I saved the world. So there, I destroyed it in one, and I saved it in the end.
0: Right. Kill two birds, uh, demons, and portal at, at the same time. That That's cool. Yeah. Alex, how about you?
1: So I think two things come to mind from recent memory. Um, one, it was actually avoiding a character's death, which was such a weird... Like, I think I got it... It was a, a Roman Call of Cthulhu thing. And I was playing like this senator's daughter. And it was like okay, but I sort of got into the character enough that it was like, I I can't make this character now go in the town. They've got like they've saved one kid. They wouldn't go in. They right. wouldn't do this. And it was like point of, they're now actually just going to walk away now. And like the other character's like, yep, yeah, you should go away. And like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, bye bye. <laughs> you, you don't
0: need it to come kill the Elder God with us. <laughs> no, it was,
1: it was such a weird situation. Like, I guess I'm taking another character now. Interesting. I can't bring it in there. But the other one which died that I remember, this is just such a fitting thing, um, I think it was in one of Gavin's games, and it was uh, an Elvis impersonator <laughs> uh, died on a. Porta potty that he made into a kayak that he was paddling with his guitar and then he just like slumped over dead at drug overdose or shot or something and just flopped over on his porta potty.
0: Mm. That's awesome. Okay, so I'm going to move to uh, another question, and I think this is a little bit less about uh, your direct experience with the game, but also kind of almost at a metagame level, right? I mean, at the end of the day, um, you interact with other players as part of that, uh, you know, collaboration. So uh, how can players support other players to improve that sense of collaboration and storytelling? And let's go with Steven.
3: I'm still with you. I lost part of that. Um, you oh, cut out.
0: Oh, sorry. Uh, so the, the question is, how can players support other players to improve collaboration?
3: Okay, it was the players part. Um, it, it's getting to know. So I find it really important, and I try to do this in my games, is first of all, write down there the characters' names. Um, it provides that sort of connection um, to what's going on in the game. And then to start writing down, um, I like to take notes. Of, of sort of what quirks the other character or a little incident has happened. And then later, especially in multi-session games, you bring that back around, and it creates that that feeling of continuity with that other player. It also determines sometimes why you might have a certain relationship with another character, but that you're supportive, oh, they were, they've bothered to heal me, or... Um, The fighter ignored me, so now as my thief character, I'm just not going to support him because he didn't come save me. And so it's those little things where you sort of build on that. Uh The part is separating out between um, what the character is doing and the players Uh and trying to gain sort of that um, relationship of player camaraderie. Um, and and making it clear that no, this isn't game, this is character based so it's those little things that I find I enjoy in the story and, and I like it when other people do that and they bring back something that oh yeah, your character did this so I remember
0: well, now, so, so that's kind of inspiring me, inspiring me to go down a slightly different uh, question angle on this one. And I'll pose this to Alex, right? So we just talked there about player interaction and player cooperation slash collaboration. But the, the other end of that is um, intercharacter Competition. Maybe a character has done something that uh, you know, um, you know, either creates tension or intrigue, um, or even a prank with uh, you know your character. So again, it's not interplayer conflict; it's intercharacter conflict. So I'm curious: um, have you experienced that? And you know, what's your sense of how that contributes to collaborative play?
1: I think the best way for me for doing that is it, it can easily link to collaborative play and investment in the story. But the key thing is to have moments of out of character communication between the players. So the characters, like the, the characters may not be speaking with one another, <laughs> but the players can out of character, like you don't metagame it necessarily, but you know, like, or. Uh, just to clarify things um, so it's not
0: misunderstood right amongst the players
1: yeah so exactly I was just thinking um, I guess a couple things come to mind for recent examples Uh one I think you're, I think you were involved at one of the tables, and like your like your character was trying to do something, like negotiating for it was like a space uh, space artifact, and then my character was doing something else, and there was like both characters didn't seem to be doing the same thing, and all that kind of stuff, and like little aside, hey, what are you doing over there? Oh yeah, don't yeah, this is the character, and they're going to be blah blah blah, right? Like oh yeah, and then all of a sudden it just can keep playing out, and everything can happen the exact same way, the rivalry or whatever, or. Mm-hmm. The, Conflict can be there, but you know the players. You know it's that little separation of, of the like in bracket out of character, mm-hmm, chat, which mm-hmm, really helps mm-hmm. um, do that. For, so, um,
0: so. Your experience there, and I can actually recall the, the 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 event as well. Right, is that you know the players themselves outside of the context of the game kind of collaborated on how their characters would continue not collaborating uh, inside the game. So I think that that's exactly just, that's just so it's not
1: like is there something going on? Nope, it's exactly just completely you know separate for the role playing uh-huh. go with it. So you know what's happening, and uh, the other thing recently is like. Um, other like you know a character having something come in that would be definitely 100% in conflict and then going hey is it okay if this character is gonna probably in conflict and likely be a dictator character yeah let's play with it so, yeah.
0: <laughs> right and, and how about you MP um, do you have a good story about a, a moment when you collaborated specifically with a, another player or your characters collaborated together to kind of create a really kind of favorite moment what kind of sticks out in your mind
2: Sure. Um, I was in a campaign where my character was involved romantically with another player's character. And we had a love-hate thing going on. So most of the time, my character was trying to win or secure the love of his character, but he was (laughs) two-timing. And then he didn't tell me this. like It was completely secret, but he ended up being a complete turncoat and betraying the group. He wasn't an angel after all. He was a demon, but he was hiding it. So I ended up betraying my character, so I spent the rest of the campaign trying to, like
0: get even. Wow. That sounds amazing. That's hilarious. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That, no, that that's pretty deep, right? And it goes a couple of layers, right? I mean, it, it's like the tension in between what's happening in the game, but also, you know, kind of revenge and, and personal vendetta in terms of your own story, which is awesome. I just love that. Um, okay, so I'm going to move on to some questions uh, that, are, um, that came from uh, DeAndre here. And, and I really like them because I think they're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. So, you know, certainly what we've been talking about is, you know, what 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 makes um, you know, a good game, right? So, and and feel free to answer either or both of these questions and I'll put this to Steven, right? Have you ever had difficulty finding the right group to play with? Or the flip side is, you know, what's the right group for you?
3: Um I've certainly had groups that that I have not enjoyed playing with mm-hmm.
0: um
3: i haven't had any trouble finding groups since really the 90s <laughs> before that it was like you know the 80s and, and Dungeons and dragons i mean that was the, the devil game right and <laughs> Devil worship,
0: satanic panic
3: oh, oh yeah absolutely right so there was a great difficulty in um trying to connect um the internet really wasn't there and sort of the blossoming of the internet and a lot of these social um, networking sites certainly made that a lot easier um I've been running KW Gamers for eleven years now, and so that made certainly things a lot easier. And part of that was actually not so much role playing, because I found it easy to find role playing groups. It was board gaming. That's why I actually started KW Gamers. Hmm. Um, retained it. I didn't start it. There's a gentleman before me. I took it over from him. Um, so, but that was our main focus initially. And so it's really become, in many ways, um, a lot of the the, the role playing. Because I, I hear a lot of people do have challenges finding groups and finding a good GM and so that for me is always the key is finding a gm that feels comfortable um with the game system they're running not comfortable in running the game but just knowing the game system um and then finding players that um, are willing to cooperate and aren't just in it for themselves Mm -hmm. so um just have i had well there's been a few times when i've left a gaming group simply because of the fact that it just didn't work out um Yeah. So I think overall, my experience has been fairly um, lucky in Mm -hmm. terms of finding that I connect with, um, finding groups that want to do the type of collaborative stories that I'm interested in. So I've been fortunate.
0: How about you, Alex? Um, you know, have you had uh, some of that misfortune, maybe, to kind of join a group that you just didn't kind of mesh with, or maybe people within it? Like, do you have any horror stories on that end, or on the flip side, do you have uh, some examples of a really great group that you really enjoyed? And you know, what were the what were the elements of that? Uh, not not as
1: much, uh, probably. Uh, I think I've had probably more varied experiences in the last little bit since joining KW Gamers. And um, before that, I think it was mainly there was like D&D and some Pathfinders and, uh, you know, scheduling things or sort of made some of those fizzle out and um, along with, I think, a Burning Wheel, which also scheduling things sort of fizzled that one out at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, but I haven't had as much issue. I've had more issues with... Um, just online kind of gaming kind of things, but, uh, and versus uh, nice RPGs for people.
0: So is, is, now I, I'm going to just kind of key on your last uh, comment there about online gaming. So have you had the opportunity to play, you know, a, a virtual game, uh, maybe one of the chaos uh, you know, controlled chaos events and things like that. What you know, Have you had, um, you know, more difficult uh, experiences with that? Like what, what happened with you? uh probably
1: it's more um i think it's usually evolved around like um i would say for the gaming stuff it's almost like you can also get too big of communities depending on gaming kind of stuff and the game in general i found that there's like a sweet spot of a certain amount of people who will be there and then these get more and more people and the groups tend to still try to form so of like oh yeah like you know, twenty five people you're still trying to do everything, but you'll still get groups of five people, like all in their own little segments doing things and little cabals of stuff that could start splintering. But, uh,
0: yeah, that's 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 a difficult one, especially with a group as large and as varied as ours. I and I think yeah. that's almost uh, Gosh, it's like victim of your own success. Like when people find the right game, you kind of want to kind of be part of it. And I think that is always a danger. So yeah, certainly something to note for everybody who kind of participates in our community. Um, MP, what about your perspective? Have you ever had a, you know, a, a group that you found difficult to play with or, uh, you know, uh, what was like the best group that you've actually played with? Sure.
2: I actually had trouble finding, uh, when I moved to Walu 10 years ago. I tried to get back into playing it again. And then there was a bunch of D&D games, 3.5. But they kept fizzing out, like the gamers, the group players, or the GM, weren't committed or they weren't into it. And then there was um, infighting, like, kind of really frustrating, uh, interpersonal conflicts that kind of are drawn into the game, like, between the GM and a player was his partner, that kind of thing. <laughs> then, and then I came up on Ontario role playing for like many years until I found that, the meetup. Thanks, guys. This, yeah
0: no that that's funny and i I mean i laugh and, and i and i poke fun a little bit but i i think this is just uh you know human dynamics and human interactions we're all kind of imperfect creatures and and certainly i think uh everyone's probably in the case and may, might might not be gaming related but you know as soon as you get any bunch of people's together there's going to be drama so yeah <laughs> interesting but i kind of
2: think that the format for this meetup is ideal because people are very busy, people have curious families, but it's a drop in, drop out. Then you don't have the commitment issue. Like if if people don't need to be there each week, then I think that works better.
0: Okay. No, that, that's, that's great feedback. And I think that, that that's a balancing thing that can be difficult for GMs who are looking for a campaign experience versus trying to keep it open and welcoming for everyone. So I think that's yeah. a natural tension that we have within this group. And, uh, you know, I think there's been some interesting comments, uh, you know, about, you know, cliques or whatever kind of forming. So, you know, I, I hear and I can understand that. Okay, so we're getting closer to the wrap up. So um, I'm just probably going to go on for another five minutes and then we'll just kind of close off. Let me see what else we got here. Um, I like this one. I think it's from Josh. How do you work effectively with the GM to highlight the character story and skills you are most interested in developing and experience? And then uh, uh, Siona had, uh, give us some examples. So let's start with Steven. What are some of the ways that you've worked with your GM in order to kind of build this stuff and build the game that you want to play?
3: So, Quite often, um, the games I'm in, so other than one-shots, I mean, one-shots, it's really hard to sort of um, get that focus, and you sort of just go with the flow. But on a longer game, it's developing that sort of, what's my character's connection to this world, to this story, to the other players? And so um, I found it fun typically to um, either give my character a, a... an apartment, a base of operations, that sort of place that you, you call their own. And that then becomes a story hook and back for the GM. And then that usually is picked off something that I want to develop or highlight for the character. So it may be, um, I, you know, I'm going to play this cleric, but he's going to be a cleric of uh, Dionysus, so he's into wine. So I'm going to run a wine bar mm-hmm. and sort of off that aspect. And then that becomes in itself a place where the other players can come and hang out and then events can happen, and um, a spy network... Oh, wait, I've got Papa legbus Oh,
0: gee, I wonder where that's coming from.
3: <laughs> um, a spy network can can roll out from that. And so those are the, the ways that you can sort of build off sort of, these are the aspects of my character, and uh, creating that sort of sense of place and time. And then um, it becomes this back and forth of, of which skills you want to develop. And sometimes the GM is like, no, I want to push you, right? And that's fun, too. Which is like I've let you have all this. Not going to burn it down. Mm-hmm. How do you react? And so that can be fun as well. And that sort of goes into sort of the uh, characters' development. And it may not necessarily be the skills that you want to develop. And I like game systems where you can pick up new skills based on, you know, um, you're you've been forced to try this. You've been forced to do this. So it's all those aspects of, of collaborating with the GM, and it all starts with that sort of what's what's my place in this
0: universe. Mm-hmm. That works well. And obviously that's going to be different for each character. Um, MP, how about you? How, how have you worked collaboratively with your GM to build the game that you want to play?
2: So I haven't been really good at making a backstory initiative to involve a to build a story for my character. Okay. When well, this happens successfully, it's the GM who like, invited me over and then And then to write that out. Okay. So I haven't been good at doing that myself
0: so there, there there are there is backstory preparation but the other way that this can go is sort of what happens during downtime right so you've got one you know game that you're in and then you have a little bit of time for your character to kind of maybe choose to do something or you know learn a new skill or whatever have you ever had that type of experience where you know in between games you're actually talking to the gm and say oh my character wants to do this has that ever happened to you
2: Yes, uh, not recently, but it was always a GM who was pushing me to, like build to flesh out that story or downtown, downtime activities in between it.
0: And yeah, and how nice did you respond? Like, I mean, it sounds like that person was pushing you, which can sometimes be you know a stress and it can be a pressure. But at other times, it you know may might uh, you know get you to think a little bit differently. So, how was that experience for you?
2: Yeah, I loved it. I just need to take the initiative more to think. Uh, when, when, where's my character going, and maybe take more initiative on my part.
0: Got it, Alex. How about your you, you, from your experience? Uh, um, you know, do do you work with the GM kind of proactively to build a backstory, or you know, in between games, do you kind of build what your character wants to do? What's your experience yeah. there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I definitely usually try to get um sort of like as steven's suggesting a little bit of an extra hook to sort of flesh out the character i mean even remember like uh, one of the, the pathfinder game like you know just like an investigator well it was he's suddenly getting a little bit of a menagerie and like all he has like a couple pets and he's starting to get all kinds of pets and all of a sudden <laughs> like, a following of just and not just like companions they're not even in the fight they're just all around at all kinds of times um and it's really funny because Stephen was describing that it's about you know creating the backstory like I probably like I like communicating like um, you know Josh's recent campaign I had uh, or Call of Cthulhu literally was doing that preparation like oh there's a character i'm interested in doing like before the sessions here's maybe the idea that get some ideas as we're starting to flesh it out and then in the game starting some things collaborating building things and then building it a little bit more with messages to the gm and then you know everything's burning down now (laughs)
0: that's right the elder god is coming the world is going to end okay so i oh go ahead please MP.
2: I was just going to jump in there. I just want to commend Alex on building this um, kind of satellite NPCs and a house that all the group the party can hang out in like Wow! If you hadn't done that, well, where would we have stayed? <laughs> yeah. There's like a whole side. There's like a whole side,
1: like side quests of like the party going on, like a day of shooting, and uh, when now everyone's trading like firearm skills, and like oh, and here's this happening, and like oh, you know, but NPCs makes dying.
2: It makes it more real, right? Because now we have like a whole household, and yeah. like, stuff happened to it. It's like so we're not just hanging out. With,
0: Right. It's
2: more at stake.
0: uh uh Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. But also, uh, also it was being, uh, you know, engaging, you know, and Josh engaging my, like the idea and going back and forth and like even building E- fleshing out even more of the backstories to the npcs that are now living in the new house and so it was actually more tragic when anything everything might happen to them
2: and then, and then we have to save them we have to save your npcs because they're like our family
0: now right okay. oh i love this story this is great and and i i will say as as a gm this sort of contribution when the players are investing their thoughts and their creativity and their ideas into their own kind of backstory and side story like this stuff is gm gold because exactly like you said right you're investing all this time so you care then what's happening you know with with that world and in that environment and now the gm has stuff that he or she can kind of pull right you know maybe there's an invasion maybe that you know that things get attacked or you have to defend the npcs like that stuff is amazing and it isn't even necessarily something that is big plot right it's something that you know is 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 more tied around just what happens in between games so i i love that okay so we're getting close to um our our end here so just kind of lightning round here um i just want each one of you to kind of you know in, in a couple of sentences, just tell us what was the best game experience that you recall and maybe just give us a snippet of that. So, MP, let's start with you.
2: Well, I think uh, we've talked a lot about that already. Uh, I keep comparing these two campaigns there. One I played a long time ago, Play trees with had a brawling narrative, prophecy going on, visceral turn of events, and right now two which is all right yeah kudos for dms who can
0: pull off that kind yep yeah, no of it's making- it's not yeah. an easy thing to do like there's there's a lot that goes into that but yeah for sure um Stephen, how about you what's your uh you know quick elevator pitch favorite moment
3: my, my favorite moment it, uh, vampire the masquerade Ooh. playing Your campaign and we got invited to a um with the prince so if, if you're familiar with the game there's sort of this hierarchy of vampires and it was like well my character can't go because i, I need an outfit and the game's <laughs> actually shopping section, which was just a blast it was hilarious and it wasn't at all what the GM, the guy running the game was expecting but he that's went with it and awesome. we just had a great time just shopping going through a mall, trying out outfits
0: i love shopping episodes <laughs> they're like my favorite um alex how about you so
1: i think one i'll just of course we've been talking about it in the, the call of cthulhu one that had like talked about those memorable moments and from a while back the other memorable moment i had was and it stood out because it was uh like a small session of running essentially like npcs in a dnd kind of world and then Like some shopkeepers trying to keep their place going, trying to, you know, work in the bureaucracy of the town. Right. And and trying to fend off themselves from murder hobos that were coming (laughs) to town that (laughs) were terrorizing the neighborhood. That's amazing.
0: Okay, so guys, um, just everyone who participated from the the panel, I mean, that's a lot of questions, a lot of things to kind of think through. Um, We appreciate it so much. And thank you for our very active audience for all the the great questions. I do want to apologize. I know that there are some questions that were asked by some people that seem to be a little bit more um, off topic for today. And I really wanted to make sure we were focusing on kind of the player experience. But, you know, we're going to have many more of these GM uh, seminar sessions. So please keep those in in your back burner if you felt that, you know, they weren't uh, kind of answered today because there's going to be lots of opportunities for that. So just some uh, reminders of some of the stuff that's coming up. We've got Controlled Chaos this uh, Saturday. Um, There's still a few open slots. So encourage you guys to kind of look up on Meetup and and see if you want to sign up for everything. Definitely register then. Uh, And then we've got our next uh, GMing seminar, 801 living, breathing, dynamic NPCs, which I think is going to be just a lot of fun. And Saz is going to be our moderator for that one. And uh, rather than our normal Thursday slot, it's going to be on Monday the 27th. Okay, so just a reminder there. And then for those of you who are either in or are interested in joining our Sci-Fi Fantasy Book Club, um, we've got uh, next week, Tuesday the 28th, um, we'll be discussing Roger Zelazvi's Nine Princes on Amber. And um, you can register for both of these on meetup. And with that, we're over our hour. So I want to just bid everyone uh, a good night and say, thank you. Yeah.
3: I'm just going to interject and say, Alpha, thank you for the wonderful job you do in hosting and uh, for filling in for Josh. I just have to get a little dig in at Josh. Yeah. No, Um, no no, fair. that's, That's made this go ahead and Josh for coming up with the ideas for these seminars. So I just wanted to interject that and just to the live audience and say, This has been awesome. You guys are great. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Good night. We'll see you at the next time.